Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode, we have Netflix's 221st film from 2020. It's the drama called Uncorked. It's directed by Prentice Penny, stars Mahmood Athi, Courtney B. Vance, Nifey Nash, Matt McGorry, Sasha Comperi, and Gil Azeri. I'm Jesse, and I'm with MJ. How are you? I'm very well, Jesse. How are you, mate? Good. Happy New Year. This is our first episode of 2023. <laughs> Happy New Year. What, what year? Was it 2018 we started? Like yep. end of 2018? Yeah. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Narrowed to 2023. A lot has happened in that time. It's been a crazy couple of years. So, uh, yeah, we're still going into another new, new year. And I think we probably will stay with 2020 films most of this year. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe next year too <laughs> <laughs> well we are here to talk about uncork so we start off with the fast flicks which is a our little summary of what the film's all about what's your fast flicks for uncork yeah it's a uh, it's a guy from a, a working class family who's trying to find his feet as a wine expert but feels the pressure of taking on the american barbecue family business Nice. Yeah, it's, um, I said the same thing, different words. A man must face the expectations of family tradition while chasing his own dreams. All Very right. Nice. What, let's, let's talk about how this ended up on Netflix. What did we find out about this one? So well, the first time we can find any sort of information was November 2018. That's probably around the time that we launched the podcast, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, November 2018, that was when it was announced that Nisi Nash, Courtney B. Vance, and Mamadou Athi had joined the cast of the film, and they had uh, Prentice Penny directing from screenplay that he wrote himself. And, and then basically, we, as soon as we found that out, they're basically all straight into it. So principal photography began on the 10th of November 2018 in Memphis, Tennessee, unsurprisingly. Uh, production concluded on December 11, 2018. So we've got about a one-month shoot. And this is where the fun happens, which I reckon we're going to have a lot more of this as we go on. But it was it was scheduled to have its world premiere at South by Southwest on the 14th of March, 2020. Uh, Netflix ended up pulling the film from the festival, obviously due to, due to COVID-19. Uh, Netflix at that time had five films in South by Southwest. It was Uncorked plus four other documentaries and they, they pulled them all. And as it turned out, South by Southwest was eventually cancelled. I think there was a fair bit of backlash on it. Uh, there was a lot of things being cancelled. This was this was the start of the pandemic, right? So no one really knew how to act and, and I guess the dominoes started to fall. So never got that release there. It was then just put out on Netflix on March 27, 2020. Um, yeah, the only other bit of inf- interesting information that I found on IMDb, all of the wines mentioned in the film, which which you kind of know if you know like the tiniest bit about wines. And I think I noticed this because I did mention Penfolds uh, in Australia at one point. I was like, oh, I know Penfolds. Um, all the wines are commercially available. They could be bought for a drink along to the film. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? I guess you'd have to have a spit jar if you really wanted to do it properly. Um, and also the grid that they mentioned. So the big exam that they take is is actually the one that's used for, for wine exams. So there's a bit of accuracy to it, which I just assumed that the whole time that it was, it'd be a weird thing to, to not have accurate, but confirmation that it was. Yeah, I think uh, the, the idea, I think the director, Penny, he mentioned that he spent about six years sort of getting the idea for this one together um, because of that idea that I think it's $1.2 trillion of spending power of Black Americans on wine. And there's very little like stories or, or information about that. And um, it's loosely based on um, 
uh, and I really hate saying this word, the the sommelier. Is it a sommelier? I, can't, I don't know how to say it. Somalia. Yeah, I know. Somalia. It's, yeah. So it's loosely based on um, uh, an African-American Somalia, um, Dylan Proctor, um, and his journey to become one. And there's a, a doco from 2012 called Som, uh, which focuses on him because he actually worked um, for Penfolds. So, and as you mentioned before, it's the, oh, the, one, um, the one wine I knew in this film too. Which is interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you see the tagline for this one? No, I didn't. Good. I like it. It's some dreams can't stay bottled up. Oh like yeah, it. I really like it. Really like it. <laughs> yeah, I like <laughs> it too. Well, there, it's right there, and they've, they've just yeah. gone with it. Well done. It's good. One. Uh, translations across the world in Spanish. This one is called bitter tasting. In French, okay. it's called the taste of wine. In Greek and Italian, it's called the sommelier, or however you say it. In Poland, completely missed the mark on this one. It's called who's to blame here, and I, I don't, I don't, I tried to, and that's the literal um, translation. Um, Turkey, I didn't mind this one either. In Turkey, it was called everything I learned from my father. Um, oh, yeah. Isn't too bad either. Um, what are the critics and audiences saying about this one? It is, it, it's, I'm going to call it above par. It's um, 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb with just under 6,000 ratings there. And it's exactly the same on Letterboxd. It's 3.2 out of 5. Very rarely see that, like exact same score. 3.2 3 out of 5 off just over 5,000 ratings. And it's got 7,000 people who have watched it on Letterboxd. So not huge numbers, not huge eyeballs, considering this was a time when people were, were stuck at home and, um, Netflix was releasing about 45 movies a week. So <laughs> I guess they had a bit of competition there. But yeah, not a heap of eyeballs, but the ones who watched it generally liked it. Rotten Tomatoes definitely liked it. The critics, certified fresh on 48 reviews, sits at 92%, which is extremely oh, high. Uh, the audience had it at 64%, so still fresh. And that's on a bit over 250, but a certified fresh 90% plus film from Rotten Tomatoes. Did you Big. say 64%, Jesse? From the audience, yeah. That is exactly the exactly same as IMDb and Letterboxd. 6.4. Every single person thinks this film is exactly like a 64% or a 6.4 out of 10 or a 3.2 out of 5. That is where this movie sits. Yeah, correct. Well, what are your early thoughts on this one? To be honest, I reckon it's about a it's about a 64% kind of film. <laughs> this, is a, this is a good harmless movie i think it was enjoyable enough i think the characters were interesting enough there's a couple of nice moments really hard not to like but it just it didn't really blow my socks off but i, I enjoyed it yeah <laughs> probably the same I think it's worth a watch i like the father-son storyline throughout this one i think unless you're a full-on wine snob i think a lot of the wine parts might uh kind of bore you a bit um at times they sort of uh, got a got a bit repetitive but apart from that it's a you know it's a decent watch it, it really is a 6.4 out of 10 kind of movie. I think everyone just kind of... <laughs> is this the first time that you'd heard of the word Somalia? Whatever, whatever, whatever. No, uh, no, I had heard of it before. I just avoid the word because I don't know how to say it properly. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd never heard of it. And like when, you know, they make that gag around the table about, the you know, being Somalian. I was like, huh, that's kind of the word I thought you were saying the whole time. <laughs> so, Good landed um let's talk about some characters in this one I, there's, there's a whole variety of characters not a lot to most of them but i guess we start with elijah i think we should start with elijah um 
Yeah, I, I think I'm going to probably end up talking more about his relationships and, and where he fits into the film more than his actual character because I think that becomes more pertinent. But what, what I found interesting, this is on the surface, and we both kind of put this in our fast flicks, it, it is this age-old story of going away from your, what your family knows and loves to pursue this entirely new interest. But they don't actually make this a massive obstacle for him to overcome. Like, and, and I like that. So his family doesn't stand in the way of what he wants to do. And majority of them actually embrace it. And obviously, yes, his dad does have an issue with it. But it's more of this sort of quiet snarkiness than this overt objection. You cannot do this because you need to do this. So I kind of like that they didn't go down the route of, okay, I've got this real big barrier I need to overcome. It's, it's more subtle that he needs to understand. So he kind of, initially, we, we learned that this guy, this is a guy who's never been able to really follow through with things. And he needs to find out what inspires him, what motivates him. And more importantly, he needs to stick something out to reach that, that personal fulfillment. And it looks like when we, when we meet him at the start of the film, he's kind of found that with, with wine and wine tasting and all this kind of stuff. But he, he kind of, he needs to achieve all these things, but he's got to do it with a whole bunch of distractions that this film throws at him. And, and those, those distractions obviously are you know, the crux of the movie. Obviously, his mother's health his financial issues that he's got. He's obviously juggling work priorities. He's got a new girlfriend. And, and this, is, this is life. This is basically what everyone else goes through all the time in life. And I think that this is kind of the main story that's masquerading as a, I don't want to run the family business movie. And I think that has a lot more essence to it. And I think it makes the story more relatable and more real. The idea of taking over a family business is a very niche story. We've seen a lot. It makes sense. It's easy to, to digest. But something like this, when you're watching a guy go through these struggles, feels a lot more relatable. And I think that's why it works probably more than it would have on the surface. Yeah, I think you've done a good job putting that together because it is a bit hard to talk about his dad, Lewis, without talking about him too because they, that he is such a big part of that journey. But I think uh, that idea that, that we mentioned about, you know, all the struggles in life and, and then being a part of life and it's not necessarily that he feels good about not following through the family business or bobbing his dad off a bit. It's that he needs to find his own thing too. He wants that bit of independence and, mm-hmm. and to work out, you know, he's still working two jobs. It's not like he's completely said, I don't want anything to do with the family business. He'll still do his time there. He'll still do his time at the liquor store. But um, it's that struggle of not necessarily just financial concerns, but that idea of family traditions and expectations of family too, um, which is tough because, you know, family is such an important part of of life and mm. you know that his mum we see through Sylvia that you know she is so supportive and it must be difficult to work out where you should go when your mum's telling you yes do what you want to do but your dad's disappointed in you for for wanting to mm. be yourself so it's it's you're stuck in this this middle part and that would be super confusing mm. yeah I agree that's a really good point yeah um Lewis yeah Lewis he's obviously Lewis is a bit cold and he's a bit of a hard ass, but as the main, and I hate using the term villain, but if you ever are going to have a villain in this film, it kind of is, it kind of is Lewis. He's a pretty well-rounded character. If he is going to be a villain, he's just a little bit old school and he has trouble connecting with his son. They are different people and, and that causes friction. But I think, I think they both see each other's side by the end. They, they both work to help one another without explicitly asking for it or without explicitly calling out that they are helping each other. And, and I just kind of like that it doesn't have to be spoken about. And I like that subtlety that there was no ending of this film where 
he's like, I'm going to help you. And his dad's like, I'm going to help you. And I'm here for you. And they don't actually have to speak about it, but they do. They help each other. And then they off go off in their own directions. And again, they don't speak about it. And I think that's a really good character arc for Lewis. He's got a lot further to come than anybody else to get to that point. And you might argue about like, well, he didn't really do anything about it. It's like, no, but he did. All the actions were there by the end of it to see where he came from. And he went through a hell as well. Like, um, we talked about how Elijah had to deal with his, his mum's health. And then obviously, if you haven't seen this film, we're going to spoil it if we haven't already. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's about to land a pretty big plot point. We haven't done a spoiler alert. So um, if you haven't watched it and you don't want it spoiled, turn off now. I think it's too late. It's too late. When you're done. <laughs> I think so too. I think so too. But his mum dies uh, in, the, in the film. So um, so Lewis had to obviously really deal with that. And this is a guy who's not the, the biggest social guy. So losing his wife was pretty significant. And he, and he comes through really nicely without it being in your face. And I like that. Yeah. I, uh, you've touched on, we touched on a bit of it through Elijah anyway, but that idea that, you know, Lewis did what was expected of him. So it's hard for him to, not expect the same for his son. Like he had to give up on his his ideas to support the family business. So I don't think that he struggles to understand what Elijah wants to do at all. I think that, um, and I think you sort of touched on this before, he's not completely, you know, saying, no, you must lock yourself in your room, not follow through with anything to do with with this wine thing that he talks about. And yeah. I think it was done really well through that idea of the second restaurant that he was setting up. He had that bar set up there ready for him to to go and it wasn't like you know he said that's there for you to do your wine stuff i'm not saying don't do your wine stuff but i want you to still be around for me so i think that the yep. continual of having that there sort of shows you yeah as a dad he still gets you know his passions his ideas he's not fully blocking it off but he's saying i still i want you to sort of do it my way rather than your way yeah 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 it's a really good point i you know the only other character i do want to talk about is sylvia only be only because i just Obviously, she's she's kind of the glue that holds it together, and and removing her from the picture adds the greatest hurdle for both Eli and, and Lewis to overcome. But just as an audience member watching this film, I thought she was just such a breath of fresh air, and she made sure that this film wasn't a doom and gloom story of a guy who was kind of the outcast in his family. As soon as we meet her, and as soon as she's just like, "Hey, no, I'll I'll take your shift," and he's like, "Hey, no, I love that he's doing this. Hey, give him time of day. He's passionate." About I'm like, "Oh, this is so nice that this character exists in this film." Because there's a part of me that started watching it thinking like, this is going to be rough. We're going to spend all this time with this family being like, what are you doing? That's crazy. That's stupid. So I, I really like that angle and it, it doesn't work without Sylvia. And I thought I thought she was fantastic. Yeah, I think so too. I think there's one line where she said something about all she wanted was for her kids to be happy. And that really touches home with who she is as a character because she's had to deal with this idea of facing death previously. And unfortunately, you know, mm. we see the follow through with that but she's happy to, to see them push for what they want to do because she knows how short and you know, how important life can be. Um, and I did like that that super supportive nature that she showed, even if it did create conflict with her husband. She wasn't afraid of standing mm-hmm. up to him or saying, no, you need to be better to our kids. Uh, and I, I think that was really good too. Yeah, you're allowed to have difference of opinions as, as parents. Um, you, you're still two individual people. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just put. I just wanted to put Tanya in there as well. Um, Elijah's girlfriend. Nothing. Not about the cat, but I think I was probably a little bit disappointed in. Yes, she was supportive of Elijah. Yes, she had the same sort of storyline in that she's not doing her passion or what she wants to do. Mm. But she did little other than progress the story, the, being able to ask questions for Elijah so we could see where he was at, and that sort of was a little bit frustrating. 
considering the opening scene is them meeting, mm. I was like, well, this is going to play a big part of the film. But uh, yeah. yeah, she is the biggest little side story that just is kind of there, yeah. popping in, every, in and out. Like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, director, Prentice Penny, anything that you found out there? He's a, he's a TV guy. Um, this is his first and only feature length directorial gig. And even with TV, I don't think he's done a lot of directing. I think most of it is as a producer. So he was a co-producer of Scrubs in the final season, producer of Happy Endings. He was a consulting producer on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and he was exec producer on shows like The Hustle, Insecure, Pause with Sam J. So he's a a TV dude. Yeah, not a comedy, which is a a, a fair bit of comedy. So this is, you know, sometimes you see people who have got their feet in that that genre will, will follow that through with their their feature debut so it's interesting that he's sort of gone up a full full drama but obviously a passionate story i think you mentioned like he could see himself through this character of elijah so um yeah cool and i think when i I love seeing a first-time director who's also written the script you you know that it is a passion project and as you said before he you know had that idea about how much money he spent in the wine industry and there's a story here and he's basing on someone else like this is a story that you can tell he's been sitting on for a long time and he wanted to bring it to life exactly all right, what are some scenes that you enjoyed in this one? Um, yeah, there's a few. I, I, I really liked quite early on, I think, when they're on their roller skating, roller skating, rollerblading date. Um, I liked the way Elijah explaining why he got into wine. I, I liked that passion that we hadn't really seen from him. We'd sort of seen it when he'd been doing the wine stuff, but just that that moment that it hit him. You know, here's a guy who's always struggled to, to stick something out and all of a sudden one day he just... he. he met a bloke who started talking about wine and thought, gee, you know what? There is a story behind all this. And I thought that really hit well with me because I think if you don't believe that, that backstory about why you got into it, then the story doesn't work as well. So um, that was a really nice part. I think going on from that, probably the next thing chronologically that I liked was, and liked's a hard word, but my heart absolutely broke for him in that scene where he's, he's describing the wine, but struggling with the death of his mum. I thought that was so well shot. I thought that was so well acted. And, and you know what you know what was so good about it was how long it lingered and how yeah. long he kept fighting through it when you knew within 20 seconds what was going on and just kept going and kept going. And those and shots of his mum that were intercut were so quick too. Like it was like, yeah. just as a reminder, this is what's going on. It's like, yeah, it, was, it wasn't like we had like a big, long, drawn out shot of the mum. It was like, this is what it's yep. like in the back of his mind the Keeps whole time. Popping. Yeah, All these things are referenced to it. And then you get to see his friends as well completely cotton on to what's going on. They don't know. Like that, that scene was wonderful. And I think that's the scene of the film. That That's the thing that you'll take out of it. But I just, and I just thought he was wonderful in that scene acting. Um, so that was a cracker. And then I'm glad that the next scene that I liked was a bit of a change of pace because I thought it was very funny. Uh, when they were, when he was at the bar with his old man and they're watching the basketball and his old man talks about how Mike Collin needs to cut his hair if he wants to be respected in a small market, just on a little side <laughs> joke. But I loved it when he ordered a Jack Daniels and said, if you want to give me a little extra, I won't be mad, you know, because of slavery. <laughs> Cause if you're that bartender, how do you not give him extra? <laughs> and it makes me feel like he's pulling out that line whenever he goes somewhere. I thought that was fantastic. Um, and finally, I guess I've kind of touched on this, but I, I liked the end. I, I liked the fact that the ending wasn't in your face. Um, Lewis has kind of learnt what's best for his son and he'd made peace with that. And Elijah was back on the horse. You know, you, you sort of start to get a bit concerned when he just jumps into the family business. And there's a part of you thinking like, oh, this movie is all about sticking with your family no matter what. 
but I'm kind of disappointed that he's not going back to the wine stuff. But he gets back into it. But we don't, we don't have to see him passing the test. We don't have to see him being this professional. We just see that he is back into it because we knew that he was passionate about it. And that doesn't just stop straight away, um, which also means if things don't work, you don't stop either. So he's just back into it. He's, he, might, he might fail that test five times and I don't really care. I'm just glad that he's still pursuing it. Um, and I love, again, I love it. This film didn't end with him getting his um, degree or whatever it's called, working at the bar with his dad, owning it all and it's like oh perfect happy ending you know what it might end up like that but it didn't matter because the journey was what was more important so i thought they did that really well i reckon it would have been completely unreasonable when they mentioned earlier there's like 260 of these people in the world and if you're telling us this one character that we're following for an hour and a half is going to be one of those yeah 260 people in the world it would have made it a bit more unbelievable so I, yeah i agree with you on that yeah and he dropped out of the course for the back half of it and then just took the exam so yeah, yeah. exactly um I'm, the opening to me was set the scene extremely well where it was literally shots of barbecuing, the wine bottles, the uncorking, all that sort of stuff just intercut between the two. And it gave you that, the two different worlds of what we were going to be following in this film, the family barbecuing and the, the passion of the wine industry. So I thought that was a great setup. Um, I'm also this- glad, Jesse, I'm glad that I watched this movie after dinner because I would have been so hungry. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> I love American barbecue and it looked so good. <laughs> it did look nice. Um, you mentioned this before that the dinner table scene with the the family talking about Somalians. I, I thought that was hilarious. That was, that was so funny. <laughs> um, I think most of the scenes with the two parents, with um, Lewis and Sylvia talking, I think uh, they were great. The the scene in the bedroom where they're talking about her wig and um, just the discussion backwards and forth between the two. It was just such believable parents. Um, mm. And then when they're in the car coming back from their date night because the alarm goes off. Just mm. great scenes. I thought they were good. The scene that we sort of you touched on before as well, the, just Elijah losing that game and the tears in the shower. I agree, completely excellent scene. And like you said, probably the one you take away from this film the most. Um, last one that I've got is the idea of uh, Elijah doing his sort of exam, sitting in that hotel alone, and then his dad knocks on the door and rocks up to support him in the best way he knows possible. Because we've heard early on, I don't drink wine. But what does he do? He brings out a bottle of wine, a board game for him to sit and sort of have that that moment and share that bottle. I thought that was lovely. And I'm pretty sure that was the bottle that Elijah gave him before he went away. Yep. It was like made by father and son or something. So it was very yeah. touching. Yeah. All right. Anything you didn't like in this one? Um, goodness, I've actually only got one thing that sort of translates into two things. Um, which kind of translates into three things, but I, he has a fight with, um, with his girlfriend, with Tanya, when they have that fight about going to Paris and then he has a go about her, about being like you a nurse while you're working off Saturday or whatever. That just felt really forced. And I, I guess that's what you said about she was kind of in the film just to progress the plot. It felt like, hey, we just need to have a little bit of a tiff here that something goes on, that things aren't always rosy for these two. It just felt out of character. I don't know where it came from for both of them because both of the... the her talking to him about it, he shouldn't have got that upset about it. And he also wouldn't have actually just brought that up. And if she he'd bring that up, she probably wouldn't have got that upset. It just never yeah. didn't really work for me at all. Yeah. And then after that scene, I think they go straight into this scene where they're just lying in bed and the classic like lying in bed and not talking thing. It just annoyed me that he was wearing this really, really nice slim fit V-neck t-shirt to bed. <laughs> like nicer than any t-shirt that I own and he was wearing it to bed. <laughs> you got to make these decisions better. Like put him in some pajamas or, you know, he's got a nice body. He can say, oh, I guess it was pretty cold. I'm going to say it was shirt off. But 
I just like that's a decision that you made to put him in one of the nicest t-shirts, which leads on to another thing because this is a guy who we spend the whole film talking about how he's got no money. He has a wonderful outfit in every scene. He he dresses in the finest coats and the most beautiful clothes, and I get that he has to wear a suit for some of the things that he does. But even when he's just rolling around in Paris and walking around, he's dressed immaculately the whole time. Um, don't know about that either. I mean, you don't have to dress him like he's from the slums, but like yeah. let's let's be like some of those jackets would have been hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah, they're cool. Um, I, I only got a couple of little things. The I didn't I didn't like the idea of um, when Elijah sort of meets Tanya and he compares all the wines to different rappers, I get that that might be something that happens in real life, but that was very close to the opening of this film. And it sort of put me off a little bit towards the start going, oh, is this what this film's going to be like? So I think if that's, if that's something that happens in real life, that's good. Maybe don't put it so close to the start of the film and, and incorporate what the film's about a bit more before you, you throw in what's going on because that sort of threw me a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, um, okay. And the other thing, the only other thing was another scene with with Tanya where she sort of comes back to the shop and he made it like he, you know she's trying to he's trying to get her to sign up for the mailing list and he said something like every day I'm googling and then like some real lame corny lines to her and I was just like yeah. and I think that that was led on from the previous scene of them in that that bottle shop I was just a bit thrown so that's all for me yeah that fair calls not not deal breakers but they were a bit no. jerky yeah a bit jerky um, themes ideas. What is this film talking about? Yeah, well, you said you you really like the the father son relationship part of it, and um and I was the same. I thought that was very strong. I, I think at the essence, this is a father and son film. It's got more to it. Um, and look, there's a lot more that goes under that umbrella, and one of them being him having to find his passion, and that's probably another core theme of the film. It's kind of like those two working in conjunction with each other, but that idea of committing to your passion you know, juggling your passion around all the outside noise, which for me is just also known as life in your mid-20s. Everyone's kind of doing this at this at this point of time in their life. Um, it's just that in this stage, he was also dealing with grief. Um, and then there's that exploration of being there for people, but not doing it explicitly. And I like that. That's kind of a nice take on most films doing a, a you know, Covering the theme of being for people, but they didn't want to throw it in your face, which I've said about seven times, but I really liked mm-hmm. it. Good. Uh, yeah, the, that father-son relationship, there was a, a line from the director where he said he didn't want to base this film on black trauma with an absent father, because in a lot of films you see the father that's not there and the, the trauma that mm-hmm. the, the kid has to use to develop to grow up without that role model there. So I really like the choice that we had a father-son relationship where both were so passionate about what they do and the high attention to detail they both put into, whether that's the meat or whether that's the wine, they're both so similar in what they do and their similarities makes it harder for them to to work together because they're both so focused on what they want to do. So, and they can still have a relationship and realistically towards the end, you know, Lewis has lost his wife. He's he's got no choice, but to take on the role that she had as that, that supporting parent. And even though he doesn't know how to do it, how she did it, he still does it in his own way. So I, I really appreciated that and thought that was, a nice take on that. Um, and then like we've touched on all these things anyway, but that, that, that idea of family tradition um, versus chasing mm-hmm. a dream, you know, breaking that tradition, never giving up on your dreams. Like, you know, obviously that's that final shot of this film is you, you don't give up on your dreams. Um, 
and because you've got to show a little bit of pride too. that, that idea you've got to break away from your parents um, and, and make your own choices, follow your own path in life. And this is all done through that idea of the struggle of African-Americans. I thought the way that they highlighted through all the wine tastings, the courses, the classrooms, trying to stand out in such a white dominated field was, mm. was you know, a real struggle um, and something that, that I thought was highlighted well. And especially too, like they're a working class family um, and he's trying to break into mm. this, this high class industry. You've got the two conflicting mm. backgrounds of, you know, everyone that we met that he worked with or studied with had it pretty easy. You know, your dad's got your job at Citibank, you know, one of the biggest banks in the yeah. world. So, you know, he, the odds, he's up against those odds already. So I think that that was a, a nice little thing too. That's great. Yeah, well covered. Um, what did you take away from this film? Um, Mamadou Athi for me. So I think he's growing on me. It's when I first, the first movie I saw him in was, was Unicorn Store, which we covered on this pod. And and he seemed very, very wooden. And obviously after that, I saw him in Jurassic World Dominion and kind of noticed that that wooden, is, wooden thing is kind of his thing. And it's wooden's probably the wrong word because that is a negative word, but there's something about, there's something about him that he, he's feeling more and more like a, like a movie star to me. And watching this film and seeing him still sort of play a similar sort of role, but then pull out this emotional resonance that I hadn't seen before makes me think that this guy, and obviously leading this film, he can really lead a film. And, and I'm at a point now where if I saw him in a film, I'd be like, well, this is interesting. Like, I, I like the fact that, that he's, he's kind of the go-to guy. I think he's got a career ahead of him, which you have, if you had to ask me that after Unicorn Store, yeah. I'm like, this is a one-and-done guy. Like, he's, he's going nowhere. But no, nah, there's something in it. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's intriguing to me. Good. I like that. Uh, mine's a lot more simple. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything worse than studying wine. That's all I'm saying. I couldn't think of anything worse. Spending your it's, whole life, it's just every fascinating, single glass isn't of that wine. It? Yeah, it doesn't interest me that much. <laughs> I just want to drink it for the taste. But, that's it. <laughs> how much would they need to learn? Like, yeah, God, for them to God. just like taste a bit of wine and then find out exactly where it's from. It's insane, isn't it? Crazy. <laughs> You're a big beer guy, though, Jesse. Would you would you yeah. like to do a similar thing as, as beer? Like, so then you can understand the appeal. When when I um yeah when I wrote that down, that was like consideration. Was like, would I want to do this with beer? Probably not. Like, I'm happy just yeah. Like, I couldn't care. Let's have a sip of beer and be like, yeah, this is from this region of Germany. Using these, meh, too wanky. Like, it's I just want to drink it and enjoy it. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. It is wanky, but I think every time you're passionate about something, it's nice to know more about it. More about it. Yeah, good. Um, IMDb, did you jump on and check anyone out? I did jump on um, and I jumped on early because the first time we saw Harvard was in that scene where he was like being a wanker reciting saying uh, this this one is, this one is and I wasn't sure if we were going to see more of him so I was like, oh shit, I reckon that's, I'm pretty sure that's the guy from How to Go Away with Murder who was also in Stepsisters and I'm pretty sure IMDb beat him in Stepsisters um, but obviously as the film progressed and it became a bigger character, I knew immediately that it was him. But I did I did initially IMDb him because I thought he's just going to be a bit role. Um, but yeah, Matt McGorry. Good. Uh, mine was just for a confirmation because Courtney B. Vance, um, Lewis, one of my favourite TV shows, he was in Law and Order, Criminal Intent. I just wanted to check out his character's name from Criminal Intent because I was like, I know I had that mental blank going, oh man, who, what's he, what was his name? Uh, it was Ron Carver. So I was very happy with that. Um, the other one that was like just surprised me a bit, like when you see the mum as well, um, Sylvia, like just a coincidence that 
been watching the the Netflix Dharma show at the moment, and she's in she's in that as well. So it's just funny that I'm oh, sitting what, halfway through a, a show of something, and she, there's a movie I watched um, in between that she's in as well. So that was cool. <laughs> Uh, you love your law and order, don't you? Oh, criminal intent, criminal intent, just criminal intent. Oh, specific. It's, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Let's go. Question time. Did you have any questions you wanted to ask? Oh, I didn't. I realized I've already asked you this one. I was going to say, have you, yeah. had you heard of the terms Maya before? Oh, I already asked you that. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, uh, yeah. I got nothing either. So I think that, that means we're ready to wrap this one up and give it a rating out yeah. of five. Give us your final thoughts. Oh, this, this was a nice movie. As I said, it's, I think it had pretty relatable explorations of, of a character in this critical time of his life. And, and I enjoyed going into it with him. So there's not much more to say that we haven't already said. I, I feel good about giving it three stars. If I was giving it, you know, I would honestly probably give it a 3.2. If I, if I could pan out, that's, I feel like that is like the perfect spot for it. Good. Um, yeah. I, it's really hard to put this because there's nothing groundbreaking really about this film, but you know, it's well-made. The mother-father character dynamics, which I talked about in my scenes, I really liked. They were really good performances. They are believable. The story is believable, um, like we sort of touched on too, because it doesn't finish with this, you know, happy ever after ending that, you know, everything's yeah. solved. And, you know, there's enough to connect with the characters and story. So I'm giving it a three as well. But if we both gave it a 3.2, we could have an average as a 3.5, but that would be too high. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to give it a 3.5 so we could nah, do it yeah. to 3.25. Nah, 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 not happening. You check our letterbox, we're going to say three, but if you actually want to know, is a 3.2. <laughs> we're on socials, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, question that I want to put on there for this one what's more enticing to you visiting Memphis or Paris at the two locations from this film uh, I I Jesse I've never got the Europe bug I haven't got it and I think my wife hates me because of it but <laughs> I'm I'm just and I I America is so I'm just so fascinated by America I find it such an interesting place and I watched this film I'd love to go to to Memphis and and just taste American barbecue like so that's that's my answer I, I yeah. I'm sure most people are going to say Paris uh, no I don't know how to say what you said differently because thumbs like I, I've, I've been to Paris so I guess that's that prior concept but Paris isn't a place that I'm eager to go back to um so yeah for me Memphis is uh 100% my answer I'd love to to, to get over there and yeah, eat some of that food. Yum. <laughs> All right. Well, you and me will go. We'll go. And our can go to Paris. <laughs> yeah. I can do the Emily in Paris <laughs> tour from Netflix and we'll do the, um, <laughs> we'll do the, we'll do the uncore. <laughs> <laughs> Drink some Australian penfolds all over there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sounds good to me. We are back again next week for another episode from 2020. This film is the action comedy Coffee and Kareem. It's directed by Michael Dowes, starred Ed Helms, Terence Little Garden High, Betty Gilpin, Ron Rico Lee, Andrew Batchelor, David Allen Greer, and Taraj P. Henson. That's what we've got next week. Ed Helms. I remember when this one came out during the pandemic as well, so interesting. Here we are. I um I don't, so I'm <laughs> <laughs> watching it, but I remember when it came out. All right. Well, we'll be back next week to talk about that. As always, uh, good chat. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So thanks for, for having a chat about Uncorked. Thanks, mate. Yeah, that was fun. It was a good one. Good, good. All right. We'll see you next week. Yeah, then. <laughs> <laughs>